And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Oh, nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. The choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Bring spring color inside this season with Bare Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon Jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. She's a true pop icon who emerged from nowhere to become one of the biggest stars in the world. Everyone knows her songs and her smile, but few know the private tales beyond the public spectacle. Now, Britney Spears, as you've never seen her before, as she reveals the stories behind some of her most sensational scenes. She dishes about living and loving in a white-hot media glare. And she bears her soul about the pitfalls of growing up in the public eye. It's time for an uncensored backstage pass with Pop's reigning princess. Go behind the scenes, behind the headlines, behind the spotlight. Britney Spears, the story behind the music. It's the fall of 2003, and Britney Spears is preparing to release her groundbreaking fourth album, In the Zone. Laced with everything from edgy pop to a haunting ballad, the disc is a sonnet portrait of a young woman coming of age. The album is basically a journey. There's some songs that talk about love, talk about romance, and there's songs that talk about having a good time. My idea was just to really experiment and just to kind of go there and do stuff that I'm not used to doing. The record is a conscious break with the past. But Britney Spears has never been afraid to take chances in the studio or on the stage. In five years, she's tangled with a 10-foot snake, lip-locked with Madonna, and earned a reputation as one of Pop's most exciting live performers. Britney were a quarterback. She'd be the one you would want if you were playing in the Super Bowl. Because when it comes to actually getting on that stage and nailing it, there is nobody better who has ever gotten on a stage, and I truly believe that. She's all about showbiz. She's all about entertainment. And that's what makes her special. 
because not a lot of people have that ability to really just jump out at you and really bring you in. With fans spanning five continents and media interest at a constant fever pitch, Brittany lives life as a human highlight reel, but she's determined not to believe the hype. Once you start believing your own press, that's when things get really messed up. So just be true to yourself and know within you what's real and what's not real. And that way you can't be affected by anything. Britney Spears may be a truly global superstar, but she is determined to stay true to her humble roots. Born in December 1981, she was raised in tiny Kentwood, Louisiana, a town so isolated, the nearest hospital is nearly 20 miles away. It's really small. It's only 2,000 people. And I mean, everybody knows each other here, so it's just a great place to live. There's no Walmart. You have to travel like 30 minutes just to go to a Walmart. It's a really, really small town, and everybody knows everybody. So that's my tall town. That's where I'm from. Brittany's father, Jamie, worked steadily as a building contractor. Still, money was tight in the Spears household, especially during the early 1980s, when America was in the grip of a deep recession. At that time, that's when the economy was going down, the town was kind of going down, and it was just really hard to make ends meet. But people knew us, and they knew what kind of people we were, and they knew that we were hardworking people, and they would wait on us if they had to, you know? And that was what was good about it. Cheerful and outgoing from the start, Brittany seemed unfazed by any hardship. She was an accomplished gymnast early on, and by the time she was eight, she'd already adopted a hero and role model. I've always really looked up to Madonna, just her sense of her performing and her individuality. And I don't know, there was just something about her that really triggered me, made me feel alive to watch. I remember her first song being Like a Prayer by Madonna. I remember her singing it in the bathtub. I remember my mom calling her friends saying, you know what, I think my daughter can sing. And I, it was very unique to hear it for the first time, but after that, it was so annoying. <laughs> It was, because she was constantly singing in the bathtub. Bitten by a bug to perform, Brittany began singing wherever and whenever she could. I was pretty obnoxious when I was little. We always would have people, like family friends, over. And I thought something was wrong with me because I wouldn't be quiet. I was always running around, like, singing from the top of my lungs. And we even had a little group and she was the lead singer and I was one of the backup dancers. We would practice all week. Emboldened by her rec room rehearsals, Brittany began performing at county fairs around Louisiana. Few in the audience were prepared for what they heard. So we're at the craft show. Brittany walks up onto the stage. So all of a sudden she gets the microphone and she opens her mouth and out of this eight-year-old body comes a 30-year-old voice. This little bitty person was singing all these amazing grown-up songs, and I'm thinking, why didn't anybody tell me this? So slowly, the ground in front of uh, the stage started filling up, and people started listening. She just was full-on entertainment. She always had these big ambitions, just larger than what anyone else could ever dream of at eight and nine years old, and it was, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be famous, watch. Brittany's parents soon realized Brittany had abilities and aspirations too large for a small town. So in the fall of 1989, when her father read about a casting call in Atlanta for the Mickey Mouse Club, he didn't miss a beat. My dad saw the ad, you know, and um, we were like, what is this? We're going to travel all the way to audition for this kid's show, you know? 
But we did. We dropped in the car and we went down there and um, ended up being narrowed down to like the last six kids. And um, I didn't get it though. I was too young. Brittany was eight when she came to that audition and she stuck out like a sore thumb in that group, number one, because she was so tiny. And number two, because she was not nervous at all. And by the end of the day, she was one of, May I think, four people out of 800 that I kept that I put on tape. And I did that even knowing she was too young to be put on the show that year. The talent scout there said, listen, I'm very talented. She should go to New York, meet this agent, you know, and just see what happens. Maybe she can get a Broadway play. And we just loaded up on Amtrak and took off. But it was like country came to town. We just all got in as a family and went after it. And it didn't take long for nine-year-old Brittany to wow an agent in New York. Encouraged to begin auditioning for stage roles, Brittany soon moved into a small New York apartment with her mother and baby sister, Jamie Lynn. We had like this apartment that the bed came out of the wall. And and I remember my mom just being like, oh, well, we'll just, you know, go downstairs, get some more chicken noodle soup again. <laughs> now when I look back and I think, oh my gosh, how did I do that? You know, I couldn't do it now. <laughs> But I looked back then, and I don't know what got into me. But anyway, um, it was pretty hard because, you know, we didn't really have a lot of money, and I was worried about money at home. It was hard. But the sacrifice quickly paid off. Within weeks, Brittany had landed her first role in an off-Broadway play called Ruthless. I played a part of um, a bad little girl, and her name was Tina Denmark. I got to tap dance on a coffee table and the whole shmuel. It was really fun. I mean, the crowd wasn't that much at all, but you felt the energy, so it was very, very cool. She had a vision. She knew what she wanted. She didn't know how she was going to get there, but she knew what she wanted, and if the chips fell right, she was going to be successful. Not even 10 years old, Britney Spears had already begun the journey that would make her one of the most celebrated pop stars on the planet. It's September of 2003, and Britney Spears is still molding the music for her fourth album, In The Zone. With just two months to go until the album's release, she arrives for a surprise set at a Las Vegas club, eager to sample her songs in front of a live audience. My favorite thing to do is, after you do a song or whatever, go to a club and play it and see how the, you know, the people respond to it, and let it sink into you before you release it. The club gig is an unusual way to break out new material, but Britney has built her career on surprises and by listening to her gut. Britney's got amazing instincts. At the end of the day, she just knows what's right and what's wrong for her. Everyone has their ideas and their opinions of what they think is cool, and I'm so open to, you know, what people, you know, their advice, but you just have to, you know, say what you want to do and do it. With 15 years of performing experience, Brittany has the confidence of a showbiz veteran. But she says she's always known what she wanted and how to get it. I was always a little different. <laughs> I don't know where my drive comes from. I've always been very driven and always very focused and always knew exactly what I wanted. For Britney Spears, achieving her dreams of fame first seemed possible in 1991 when as a 10-year-old girl, she snared her first job with a minor part in an off-Broadway play. The role seemed like a dream opportunity for an aspiring child star. But after six months on stage, the reality of it was far from glamorous. We worked six days a week and we had Sundays off. 
And I remember I was gonna have to work on Christmas Day and I didn't wanna do that. And so I, I said, you know what, Brittany? Do you wanna go home? And she looked at me and says, you wanna go home? I said, yeah, I do. And so that was it. Brittany returned home and continued to perform at local fairs. Then in 1992, she got a shot on a show she hoped would launch her onto the national stage, Ed McMahon's Star Search. I was so excited to be on that show, and I remember my mom, I didn't, my outfit wasn't very nice to wear at first, but when we got there, she ended up going to Bloomingdale's and getting me a cool dress. I won the first one, but I lost the second one. I was really sad that I lost. I was devastated. I remember she held herself very good on TV when we saw it, but when she got in the car, she broke down. She is a very, very strong competitor, and she hates to lose. She does. And that's probably the deciding moment she realized, I'm really going to do this, you know, 150%. Brittany's second round loss only fueled her desire for stardom. In the spring of 93, she headed to Orlando, Florida for a second audition with the Mickey Mouse Club. She soon found herself competing with a room full of future stars like Carrie Russell, Justin Timberlake, and Christina Aguilera. It was so nerve-wracking. And then I ended up going home, and then I got the phone call. They called me out, they're like, Brittany, you got it. I was in my kitchen and I started screaming and jumping up and down because I was so, so excited. It was very cool. This was the first sign of success. Britney spent two years dancing at the House of the Mouse until the show was canceled in 1995. Putting her dreams of fame on hold, the up-and-coming star returned to Louisiana and the life of a small-town girl. I was on the basketball team and I was a point guard. <laughs> I could really dribble the ball really good, but the one thing I couldn't do, I couldn't make a layup for my life. I was so spastic, but it was fun. The break was a welcome one. But less than a year after returning to Kentwood, Brittany was itching for the spotlight. I think she had experienced so much of the world that the small town was just not something she was used to. I think sometimes you know when you're supposed to do certain things. And I just remembered, I, and I would get on stage, like that was just, that's when I felt alive. And I missed that and I was ready to go again. <laughs> I was like, I'm ready to perform and sing. Next. Britney breaks out when Behind the Music continues. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time. Not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents 
a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. In the spring of 96, Britney spurned an offer to join a new Orlando-based girl group called Innocence. Instead, the Spears asked attorney Larry Rudolph, a longtime family friend, to help her get a solo record deal. I told Lynn that I felt confident that I could get Britney a solo deal. Um, it was a risk, there's no doubt about it. I sang Whitney Houston's I Have Nothing, and um, I sent it to the record label, it was a really bad demo. And then they ended up flying me to um, New York, and I sang in front of all these executive people, and oh my gosh, it's very nerve-wracking. Three of the labels rejected Britney outright. Undeterred, she went to Jive Records for a fourth and final audition. She was wearing like a short black dress and high heels, and she looked absolutely stunning. We just couldn't believe that she was only 15. I mean, we were pretty shocked. There were streaks of real professionalism and star appeal embodied in someone at such a young age was pretty remarkable. Jive signed Britney to a development deal, but for almost a year, she struggled to find her sound. Then in the fall of 1997, Jive executives got a sample cut written by Swedish songwriting sensation Max Martin. It was a tune called Baby One More Time. This was a case where the minute we got this record and we said, this sounds like an absolute bullseye for Britney and it could be a huge worldwide hit for her. She heard it exactly the same way. And I saw her and she looked over at me and she said, that's it, that's my song. Britney flew to Sweden and recorded five songs in five days. With her debut album shaping up, she then returned to America and embarked on a mall tour, showcasing her first songs to young fans. I performed in pigtails, okay? Pigtails and plaid pants and a, a tie. And that was my performance outfit. And the stage was no bigger than this room right here. Nobody knew her and nobody bothered us. And then after that, people slowly started catching on and wanted to follow her into the stores. And we just thought that was the neatest thing in the whole world. I thought I was just such a star. Like, you know, they'd ask me for my autograph. I'm like, okay, I'll give you my autograph. Such a dork. Brittany couldn't know it but soon her fans would number in the millions. It's just weeks before the release of her fourth album and Britney Spears is in the midst of a promotional blitz. You'd think that interviews would be old hat to Britney by now. She says she still gets butterflies every time she bears her soul. I get nervous on interviews like right now. I get, yeah, I get very nervous, definitely. Britney has learned from bitter experience that a few unguarded moments can generate weeks of headlines in scandal sheets and gossip columns. In July 2003, she let slip a few details about her private life to W Magazine and watched as her comments became front page news around the world. Oh my gosh. The way 
the interview guy asked me some of the question. It kind of forced me to answer him. Actually, if I could have gone back in time, I probably wouldn't have been so open about everything. But life in the public eye will always be a high wire act for Pop's reigning princess. Because every move she makes becomes fodder for a hungry media mob. Probably in 50% of, of, of the world, there's not a day that goes by that her name isn't in a newspaper. They just won't allow her to have a private life. It's unbelievable. They just won't allow it. And, uh, and it's really tragic. I mean, that's the only thing that I really don't envy about her at all. And the irony is that the rumors are usually much more salacious than reality, leaving Britney to constantly manage the gap between the tabloids and the truth. I think you have its ups and downs with it. I mean, sometimes, you know, they can say some amazing things. Sometimes they can say some really stupid things. And I just think it goes with what you do. And I've just learned to try to accept that. Today, Britney is one of the most sought-after pop stars on the planet. But in the fall of 1998, she was a virtual unknown trying to figure out how to introduce herself to the world. Her debut single, Baby One More Time, was ready for release. But Britney was beset by doubts over plans for a cartoonish video to accompany the song. It was animated, very animated and very bop and just not cool. So I ended up... Um, taking it to my own hands and being like, look. I know I've never done a video before, but I have a feeling about this. She really had a lot of the vision for, for that video. She's got great instincts for what she likes and what works for her and for her audience. You know, the whole Grease thing, the schoolgirl thing, it was all her. The minute the music started to roll and the, and the sort of like the cameras went on, it was like a personality transformation. In October of 98, Baby One More Time was released as a single. And within weeks, it was a top 10 hit. To 16-year-old Britney Spears, the song's success meant a long-time dream had suddenly been realized. When my song first came on the radio, I was screaming and like laughing. It was, there's nothing like that feeling of hearing your song on the radio for the first time, nothing. It's just so weird. It's like, I don't know, I can't explain it. It's like very cool. The song unleashed a phenomenon. In January 99, Britney's first album debuted at number one on the Billboard charts. Within a month, it would sell 2 million copies and become a global smash. With audiences chomping at the bit for Britney, reigning heartthrobs in sync asked the fresh-faced phenom to open for them on a sold-out national tour. The tour was cool. It was my first time to perform, you know, in front of a huge crowd. And in sync, they had an amazing crowd with them. And that helped me a lot. It really did. The tour was more than a vehicle for Britney to hone her onstage act. She also reconnected with an old friend, former Mouseketeer mate, Justin Timberlake. I remember that first day we got there and she was very nervous to see him because she hadn't seen him in so long. And on that tour, they really kind of became close. Like they really liked each other a lot. Rumors of a budding relationship between Britney and Justin Timberlake only added to a growing avalanche of media coverage about Britney, a torrent that grew in intensity when she posed provocatively for Rolling Stone in the spring of 99. It was her call and that's the way she wanted to go. And we were a little nervous. I mean, we were probably more nervous than she was because, you know, she was very much of America's sweetheart and the girl next door. And all of a sudden, she's on the cover of Rolling Stone, you know, scantily clad. But every move Britney made only seemed to add to her popularity. By the end of the year, her debut album had sold over 10 million copies and she was already at work on its follow-up. I was just coming off my first tour, and the second album just kind of flew into my lap. It just kind of happened so fast. I didn't even really have time to think about it, you know? 
By the spring of 2000, Oops I Did It Again was ready for release. But as soon as the first voluptuous video hit TV screens, Britney faced accusations that she'd had breast implants. So she took center stage on Saturday Night Live and put a comical spin on the rampaging rumor. I got to poke fun of what everybody was saying, basically. We did a monologue about breast implants. We had them moving me mechanically. It was almost like she went right into the face of the people that were sort of making fun of her and sort of just laughed with them at herself. I think it was, you know, very funny, and um, she had a really great sense of humor about it. It sort of led to a whole nother level of her career. When Oops! was released in the summer of 2000, it sold 1.3 million copies in its first week, the most ever by a female artist. That September, Britney announced her arrival as a daring live performer with a smoking set at MTV's Video Music Awards. When she ripped off the black outfit into the sequined flesh-colored outfit, that wasn't striptease, that was a costume change. It wasn't that deep. But it turns out to be this big media frenzy, and she's like, whoa. I wanted to do oops and be girly, and you know, and have like a beautiful outfit, nude, and just jewels everywhere. And I don't know, I'm very, vis I'm very visual like that. I'm, I'm kind of weird, but I thought it was a cool idea, and to rip all the stuff off and to do it, and that's how it came about. People were stunned by Britney's live act. Even greater surprises lay in the future. In the months before the release of her fourth album, every public move Britney Spears makes will be dissected by cameras and columnists. But friends say it is outside the media glare that the real Britney shines through. She devotes private time to charitable causes from breast cancer to hospital funding. She gives her time, she gives her attention, you know, so much to the fact that she takes it away from herself to give it to others. It makes you feel good to be able to Put yourself out there and just, you know, let people not feel so alone and help them out like that. No project is closer to Britney's heart than her camp for the performing arts in rural New England, a place where kids get a chance to escape the city and nurture their creative skills. They told me this year that I may miss going there because I have a performance coming up. I'm like, no, I'm going to the damn camp. This is what it's about. You know, I wouldn't miss it for anything. Same people that train Britney and work with Britney on a yearly basis work with these kids for 10 days. And at the end of those 10 days, there's a performance by these kids for Britney and the family. I remember seeing one little girl, she got up there, so nervous, like to the point of tears. And just after she performed and she expressed herself like that, she just felt so good about herself. And I was just like, wow, you know, I mean, if that's, I just think it's important to be able to have outlets like that for kids and to be able to make them feel good about them. Performing is an outlet that Britney Spears has ridden to the pinnacle of pop. By the fall of 2000, just two years after she burst on the scene, her first two records had sold over 30 million copies worldwide. And her face was on billboards and TV screens from Miami to Milan. A lot of young artists made impact, but this was worldwide impact that I think nobody had ever seen before. On January 28, 2001, the 19-year-old was asked to take center stage for the biggest spectacle on Earth, the halftime celebration for Super Bowl 35. Nearly a billion people around the world would witness her strut and shout with Aerosmith and NSYNC. I think that was the most nervous I've ever been in my whole life, to be honest with you. Just the fact that it's Aerosmith, Steven Tyler, I'm up there performing with them was just, oh, you know, it was just mind-boggling. 
soon as she hits that stage, man, she nails it. I mean, she just becomes a different person. And that's the difference between everybody and a superstar. Next, Britney's latest onstage stunner. When Behind the Music continues. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Despite all her success, Britney was determined to grow as an artist. As she began work on her third album, she took greater control of her destiny, co-writing five of the album's tracks and collaborating on the sultry first single with hip-hop heavyweights, The Neptunes. I'm a Slave for You is a very edgy dance song. I mean, this is much more cool and funky and had a certain artistry to it that none of her other songs up until that point had had. She knew she wanted to do some things that were edgier, that were not quite as pop as she had been known for in the past. I wanted it to be a little bit more sexual, a little bit um, more feisty, and um, just a different sound in general. In September of 2001, Britney unveiled her new lyrical stylings when she balleted with a boa at MTV's Video Music Awards. The sexy stunt drew some venom from conservative critics, few of whom knew that Britney had begun the night reeling from dealing with a 10-foot reptile. Nobody realized that that was such a source of worry and fright for her. The snake comes in this gigantic ice chest and she looks over at me and she says, I can't do it. It's just Britney with the snake. And they referenced it to being something very sexual. Well, we didn't think about that. It was just part of the act. And Britney was determined to shed some skin of her own. Her third album, pointedly entitled Britney, was released in November 2001 
and debuted at number one on the charts, selling close to a million copies in its first week. It was sweet vindication for a woman looking to outgrow her teen pop past. I think it was more to me just becoming more into my skin and me feeling more comfortable with me at that time. I was singing a song, Not a Girl, Not Yet a Woman, when in, in reality I was becoming what I was at that point, right there in front of the world. By early 2002, with the release of her first feature film, Crossroads, Britney was a true pop culture phenomenon. But with stunning popularity came an ever-increasing price in privacy. And the 20-year-old faced a constant barrage of articles probing her personal life. They can write some hurtful things. They, I mean, that's what they're paid to do. They want stories, they want to sell magazines, they do that. I think the thing that saddens me the most is that she is a public figure, and I think the public thinks they're entitled to her at all times. In March of 2002, the scrutiny grew painful as cover stories around the world chronicled the sudden demise of Britney's relationship with Justin Timberlake. Although much has been written about the star-crossed love affair, Britney says she is determined to keep the details as private as possible. Frankly, it really is none of anybody's business because certain things are sacred and should be completely kept totally private, and I've learned my lesson completely. If she breaks up with the love of her life, the whole world feels like they need to be involved and comment, and you know, that there's no time to gather your thoughts, or, I mean, what if you do want to just cry? I mean, just cry. Britney soldiered on with a sold-out world tour and brought her new material to millions of fans. But by August of 2002, she was ready for an extended break. After nearly three years of living in the spotlight, Britney announced that she was taking six months off. When she returned, it would be as a new woman. It's the fall of 2003, and Britney Spears' fourth album is almost ready to ship to stores. But just as recording on In the Zone is wrapping up, Britney gets a last-minute chance to collaborate with her idol, Madonna. I was rehearsing with her for the MTV VMAs, and I played her the single. All of a sudden, I was like, you should do this with me. With just weeks remaining before the album's release, Britney and Madonna rework In The Zone's first single, Me Against The Music. I think she has such a awareness about her, and she knows how to live her life. And soon afterwards, the two pop icons combine their star power on the song's slick video. I never actually get a chance to see her. It's like her spirit's there, but I never get a chance to touch her, physically touch her, and I'm like sensing her wherever I go. And at the very end of the video, something kind of cool happens. But what wasn't consummated on screen was sealed with a kiss on stage at MTV's Video Music Awards in August 2003. Although Britney had made a habit of outrageous stunts at the VMAs, viewers were stunned by the mini makeout session. The kiss was not my idea. It was Madonna's idea. She's the groom and I'm the bride, so, you know, she probably thought we should kiss or whatever, but she was like, why don't we do it here? Why don't we do the kiss here? And I was like, okay, all righty. The kiss was the moment of the night. It took all of, you know, a second and a half, and it was the moment of the night front page of every newspaper. Britney was already making headlines before her record had even wrapped. In September 2003, she was back in the studio, hard at work on her fourth album. Besides Madonna, the disc sports an all-star cast of contributors that includes Moby and R. Kelly. But nobody brought more to the music than Britney. 
I think the difference now is just that I look forward to being involved in each process. I've collaborated for the first time on this album. I think that's been a big thing for me. Daring and Different, In the Zone, represents Britney's final transition to womanhood. Having co-written eight of 12 tracks, she is clearly determined to showcase a new artist to her audience. It's a real evolution for her. We really wanted to experiment and try some different things, you know, and I think we've achieved that with this album. They'll definitely experience me in a completely different light, like totally different light. But whatever happens, good or bad, those who know her say Britney will never lose touch with the values of her small town past. It's pretty remarkable how sweet she is. I mean, she's a really good kid. She can be in front of thousands of people and then walk off the stage and be fine. You know, she hasn't changed either. Like, fame hasn't changed her a bit. She's still the same person she was 10 years ago. Britney Spears has achieved almost everything she ever hoped for. As she embarks on a new stage in her career and in her life, she's more than happy to keep on dreaming. Britney Spears continues to captivate the music world. Since 2003, she's released quite a few major hits, most notably Womanizer in 2008 and Hold It Against Me in 2011, both reaching number one on the Billboard 100. Spears' musical success is astounding. She became the youngest female artist in the U.S. to have five albums debut at number one, earning a place in Guinness World Records. Spears was reportedly the highest paid female musician of 2002 and 2012. With all of these accolades, her announcement to go on a work hiatus in 2019 came as a bit of a surprise. Spears' personal life took center stage in 2021 when she went public about her conservatorship. Fans expressed their concern for her and sparked the viral hashtag FreeBritney campaign. The conservatorship was officially terminated in November 2021. The world can't wait to see what liberated Britney has in store for us next. Listen and subscribe to Behind the Music on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Be sure to rate and review Behind the Music on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Want more episodes? You can watch Remastered, Best of the Vault, and new episodes of Behind the Music only on Paramount+. Plus. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. 
brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 